Hi, Canopy Church. It is so good to be with you. I really wish I could be there in person. Um, can't wait for that day to get here. Won't come soon enough. Uh, my name is Kathleen. I am friends with Josh and Todd and have known them for a long time. I know you are in great hands um, being under their leadership and I've been praying for this church. I'm excited for what you're doing in Orange County and it's really nice to be with you. Uh, we are in a series now called Lessons from the Wilderness and today we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 16. So if you want to open up your Bible and put your hand there, we're going to get there in just a second. But in this particular part of the story of the Exodus, we're looking at this time for Israel where they're between uh, the Red Sea and Mount Sinai. And so this is kind of a time where life is stripped down quite a bit. Um, they're, they're out of the, sort of the miraculous, exciting part of being rescued. And now they're about a month and a half into walking through the wilderness. They're in an oasis area, um, but they're starting to get really frustrated. Life has been stripped away. They're out of all of their routines. So nobody's going to work right now. None of the kids are going to school right now. Um, all of the normal things that they would have in life that where they built homes and they were settled in Egypt, all of that has been disrupted and it hasn't really been replaced with anything yet. And so they're starting to feel it and they're starting to feel the frustration of all of this and, and they're starting to really begin to complain about this scenario that they're in. I don't know if you relate to any of that. I know I do. Um, and so what we're going to do is look at this passage and see how the Lord shows up for them and see what this looks like for them. But if you open up Exodus 16, I actually want to start in verse 2. What we've just learned is they're about a month and a half into this. And it says, There too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us out into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, they will have twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will re realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all of your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Then Moses said to Aaron, Announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have bread, all the bread that you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And so there's a lot to unpack in this passage if you want to go back to the beginning. What we see is as they are out in this desert and they come to a place where I think a lot of us come to and they've gotten to a place of incredible despair. When they were being rescued, when they came through the Red Sea, if you go back in chapter 15, you see that life was all good. It's all celebration. It's all happy. It's all wonderful. But now that things are disrupted, they can't see the future. They don't know where they're going. 
Um, they don't know when this thing is going to end. You see things turn all bad. They go from all good to all bad. And in this scenario now, if we look, especially in verse four, or yeah, verse three, it says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. You just see this real extreme thinking. They were in distressing circumstances. But the reality was at this moment, they were in an oasis. They had enough water. And if you read the surrounding chapters, you realize as they're wandering through the wilderness, they have livestock. And so they do have a, an ability to care for their needs. They're going to have dairy products. They're going to have an ability to eat meat. Um, but they've lost sight of all of it. And the small, the problem, it's not a small problem. This problem in front of them begins to cloud all of their judgment. And, it, and they begin to feel distressed about absolutely everything. And I think that's important to recognize that is sometimes part of our human nature is when something is off, when there's a problem that we cannot solve, quickly it can begin to feel like absolutely everything has gone wrong. And it's just an important thing to note because especially as we're in our current circumstance, it's really, really simple to get to a place where we begin to feel like everything is out of control and nothing is going right. And there is a reality that they still did have provision. And so from this place of a bit of a distorted thinking, now they're angry at the leadership and they cannot see God at all. They, he is nowhere on their radar screen. And even though he has just done all of these miraculous things to provide for them and all of these incredible moments of showing up to rescue them and to show them, I see you, I know who you are, I'm in this with you. At this moment, they've forgotten all of it. And so what we see in this passage is that through this lens of all bad and through this lens of things not going well, we watch this moment where the Lord really almost like speaking to a little kid, um, he grabs them and he, and he tells them through his behavior, I want you to look back at me. I want you to, to look in my eyes and I want you to calm down. If you've ever dealt with a child who's just really distressed and they've, they're either they're melting down because they're too tired or somebody took their toy or they've gotten hurt, but it's not a critical injury and you almost have to grab them, go, look at me you're going to be okay. And I want you to just listen to me right now. And this feels like a moment where that's what the Lord is doing for this distressed community. He's saying, look back at me. And what you see is he doesn't say, Hey, you have plenty of meat. Just take care of it and deal with it. What he says is, I know you're not doing well. You're complaining about all of this. And rather than punishing you, I'm going to actually provide even more for you. And so he provides for them this quail that in in the evening time. And then he provides for the manna. And if you read the description of the manna, what you see is it almost sounds like frosted flakes. It's not even like this really yucky food. It's, it's sweet and it's a pretty color and it's, it's attractive and it's, I'm assuming, nutritious. Um, but you see the Lord show up and say, I can still provide for you. And in doing this daily provision for them, he's asking them to keep their eyes on him look at him. Remember that he is the one. He gave you Egypt. He gave you a provision then. He gave you the livestock. He's given you the land that you've ever owned. He's going to continue to provide for you. But now it's more on a daily basis. So in this moment, he's saying, look back at me. But he's also saying, if you look at one of the um, 
the verses. It's on the sixth day, and it's in verse 5. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, they will have twice as much as usual. And that's the beginning of him setting up the Sabbath. What he's saying is, on this day, I want you to gather your normal provisions. What you're going to find is, I've doubled it. You're going to have all that you need for the next day, because what I'm asking you to do on the next day is trust me and listen to me, and I want you to rest. I want you to rest and know that I've got it. I've got this thing covered. And what he's doing is testing them to see, will you obey me? Will you do this the way that I ask you to do this? And so God showing up in his glory does it through this miraculous provision of quail and of manna, but he also shows up in his glory by saying, I want you to see what life looks like when you just listen to me and trust me. Watch the fruit of that. Watch the outcome of that. And so as we're sitting here in our unique circumstances where we're at stay-at-home orders, you know, people are getting restless. Uh, we're starting to hear a lot of concern about when is this going to end and how long is this going to go on. And people have, without no much notice at all, ended up changing everything. Work came into the household. School came into the household. Everyone came into the household. There hasn't been a big opportunity to prepare for this or adjust to it. And in this, there may be another moment where we see the Lord say, will you listen to me right now? Will you do this my way? While you're under pressure, while you're feeling kind of the tense nature of this circumstance, while you're in a situation where you can't be distracted by planning, we don't know what's coming next. I can't be thinking about what's coming down the road. I'm just trying to find out, can I go to the grocery store? And when will businesses open back up? In this kind of day-to-day -day living, what does it look like to say, Lord, what's your instruction for me in this? And there may be moments where in these tense um, scenarios where we hear the Lord call us to an obedience that maybe we've neglected or an obedience that maybe we haven't considered for quite a while. I know one of the things I hear in, in my counseling practice is there's just a lot of tension in the households and it's understandable. Um, we have this sense of threat around us, so everybody's going to be in a bit of fight or flight. Uh, we've got a sense that we weren't able to prepare for this. That never feels great when you're thrown into this kind of disruption without any preparation. But while we're sitting in the household with each other, we still have God's word, and sometimes that's hard to listen to. When God says, be kind, and I'm at you know the end of my rope, I'm not always going to want to be kind. When God says, be honest, when God says, be humble, when God says, confess your sins, when God says, correct things, when God says, be gracious, those are not always the things that I want to apply in a moment like this. When I'm stressed, I want to do self-care and self-preservation. I can go into all good or all bad thinking, and what God is inviting us into is something more dynamic, something a little bit more complex, a type of living that might force me to have to mature a bit. And it will also put me in a position where I can test the goodness of God's instruction. And as I was thinking about this particular point of obeying God and listening to God, I was brought back, I'm often brought back to the beginning of my faith journey. I did not grow up in the church. And um, part of how I coped with life and part of how I got through life prior to being a believer was um, I was pretty manipulative and I would lie a lot. I really hate to tell you that and I'm embarrassed by it, but I think it keeps my feet grounded to confess it. And when I became a Christian, I knew I was going to have to give some things up. I, I was in a party crowd, 
you know, uh, we were kind of having the wrong type of a good time. And I knew if I became a believer, I was going to have to let that all go. And I finally got to a place where I was willing to, to release that. But when I accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit came into my life, one of the very first things that he convicted me of and I felt incredibly guilty about was lying. But the reality is I had become so dependent on it that letting it go scared me. I really could not imagine functioning in life without it because it's how I avoided responsibility. It's how I got my way. It's how I moved forward in whatever my goals were. And so to have that stripped away felt really, really scary. But I couldn't deny it. I felt I couldn't move forward with lying anymore. I just felt far too guilty. I felt miserable doing it. And it just was crazy. Um, and so what I had to do was begin to walk in obedience and trust the Lord. Like he called Israel at this point to rest. He called me to tell the truth. And I was like, no, you know, but I, I had to listen. And so as I learned to walk in truth, I had no idea what was coming down the road. I didn't know that what I was going to find myself landing in was a life that was more peaceful. I didn't know that I was going to find myself landing in better relationships, that people who like to tell the truth want to be surrounded by people who tell the truth. I had been surrounded by people who were just like me. We were all lying and we were all comfortable with it. We were used to it. I was finding myself as I told the truth that I was acquiring a community and relationships that were so much richer and deeper than I had. So as I was letting go of doing it my way and picking up the Lord's instruction, I didn't know where this was heading, but it was heading toward what he was promising, and that was an abundant life. But in, this, in that transition from that world into this new world, this was its own wilderness experience. I hadn't settled yet. I hadn't picked up new relationships yet. I wasn't settled in a new community yet. I was just listening to the Lord's instruction, and I was watching him provide. And so as we, some of us might be finding ourselves in a bit of a wilderness experience right now, a couple things to keep our eyes open. We don't want to go black and white. We don't want to think it's all good or all bad. We want to have a realistic assessment. What's actually going on? Where am I provided for? I want to rest and trust in that. What does need to change? I want to pray that through. Um, but I want to be honest and open about that and realistic. But I also want to say, Lord, where are you in this? If you're grabbing me by the, the face and saying, look me in the eye, I want to watch the ways that you are showing up in your glory and making provisions for me. I also want to listen to the way that you're instructing me right now. And I want to let go of my agenda and I want to let go of my habits and I want to be open to your transformational work happening in my life. What we know is in this story, God has made a miraculous provision for them. He tells them in verse the instruction in verse 10 is to look out on the horizon. You're going to see the glory of the Lord. We do, they knew what that was. We don't know what that was exactly. I don't know if that was the quailer coming in or they just saw some spectacular sunset. We don't know what they saw, but they knew they were seeing the glory of the Lord. They had to get their head up out of their circumstances and say, Lord, in this disruption, I still know that you're God. In this disruption, you can still provide in this disruption, you will still have instruction for me. Give me the ability to lay down my agenda. Give me the ability to pick up your word and walk forward with it, trusting that your word reveals your goodness, your abundance, your provision, and your glory. What we're reminded of in John chapter 16 is in this world, we will have trouble and we will have tri tribulation and we will have problems. But we're told at that point to take heart. 
that Jesus, that God in the flesh, that God who made provision for us has overcome the world. And so in this season that we're all experiencing our own bit of wilderness, um, this is a great time for us to do a healthy assessment. What's really going on? Let me be honest about that, not go to black and white thinking. Let me look at God's goodness and provision again and help me, Lord. This is my prayer for all of us. Help me, Lord, just to trust you. If you've called me to walk in humility, a greater sense of honesty, a greater sense of faith, a greater sense of trust in you, help me just to listen and do what you've called me to do. So let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are in each house right now. You're with each one of us as we're facing the challenge of this season. And for some of us, it feels like our own wilderness journey. I ask that you would speak personally to each of us, open our eyes and ears to see your glory and your goodness, both in the miraculous ways that you provide and the glory and the goodness of your instruction. If we need to rest, help us rest. If we need to pick something up and do it, help us do it. But whatever you're doing in our lives, Lord, I pray that this would be a time of transformation, that we would look more like you, we would walk in greater faith, that we would be transformed into your likeness and image, and that through that we would participate in your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. So we ask for your presence and your power to be with us now. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. It was so good to be with you.